0: welcome to the Stronghold Podcast. I have an excellent guest today, an alum of the podcast, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, ADCC professional, gold medal, gold medalist, as of uh, yesterday, Robert Deagle. Diggle.
1: Uh, well, uh, Deagle. Well, Deagle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Deagle.
0: Robert <laughs> yeah. Deagle. What's up, man? Welcome back on the podcast. It's good to have you.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me again. Um, yeah, I just competed at ADCC Singapore yesterday and uh, won the 77 kg division, which is nice. Uh, I Weighed in at 71.5, so, like, I was probably the lightest person in the bracket, but I hate cutting weight, so... Yeah,
0: yeah. the weight difference didn't seem to bother you. I think you had three inside heel hooks, each was like a minute and a half, or two minutes, or something like that?
1: Yeah, I think the total mat time was under three minutes, so the first match was probably... It might have been a little over three minutes, because the first match was probably a minute and a half, second match was more like 30 seconds, and the third match was the longest, I think that might have been a little over a minute and a half, so... Yeah, a little over, little over three minutes in total. So, yeah, pretty quick. Not how I was expecting the tournament to go because, like, when I looked at the bracket, there's so many, like, all the people I went against, I think, I think are very good, and there were t- so many good people in the bracket. I thought it was going to be a much more like grueling weekend. Um, but I'm glad it wasn't. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, you got to love getting those quick taps. It's a quick day in the office. Yeah, man. Yeah. So give me your thoughts on, on the matches. We were saying before the podcast about how much the scene has gotten bigger here. I think they're, yeah, like 300 people, even kids, which was cool. And the kids' ADCC was really interesting because in the IBJJF format, the matches are only, I think, two minutes long for the kids. These are five minutes, which is like an adult white belt match yeah, even yeah. for the 7 or 8 year olds which is pretty uh, interesting because yeah. a lot of the kids aren't used to training for 5 yeah, minute no, long five matches minutes. and you can like ankle lock and stuff oh, yeah. so we were teaching like single legs ankle locks <laughs> to like 7 year olds which I thought was, was really really fun but what, what was your take on the, the competition man you had a stacked bracket and uh, how did it feel out there
1: uh, it was good I mean like there were a lot of good people in my bracket um, it's always good to compete under like actual ADCC rules um, those kinds of tournaments are not as, like, consistent as you'd like them to be. You know, it's, like, it's considered the most prestigious tournament overall, but, like, it's not, it's kind of, like, growing in popularity, the rule set, but it's not, as of right now, the most popular rule set. So, it's always good to compete under it. And I thought the tournament was good. I mean, like, some of the refs were definitely a bit inexperienced. So, you know, I mean, like, there's, like, a learning process there. But, you know, they'll get better in time. Overall, I thought it was well-run, you know? Um, and, yeah, it's also just great to see, like, Nogi growing in Singapore. Like, for a local ADCC Open to have that many good people doing it, you know, even just looking at the pro divisions, they were extremely stacked. And then when you consider, like, all the non-pro divisions, like intermediate, the beginners and stuff, like, there were people who were doing intermediate who I think easily could have been doing pro, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, mm. lots of people. Um Yeah, not like sandbagging or anything like that, but just like because the skill gap is growing, right? It's really, really wide, right? So uh, It's
0: tricky, right? Because you have – in the belts, you have five divisions. And then with the beginner, intermediate, and advanced, you have three only. mm -hmm. So there's a wider skill disparity between the people. I mean what do you reckon? I told my students when they were considering signing up, like white to like one, two-stripe blue would be beginner. And then two stripe-ish blue somewhere in that range to maybe like mid-purple would be intermediate and then mid-purple and above would be pro or something like that.
1: Yeah. um, So like I'll speak to like what I did. I did – I never did – I never competed in beginner. So I did white belt gi tournaments and then the first no-gi tournament I did, I did intermediate. Um, And that was like probably seven months into training. And like I don't really remember why I did intermediate like – I don't know if like my coach told me to do it or like whatever, but I didn't do I didn't do beginner and I wound up winning. I did pretty well, and then I did, I did another intermediate tournament. That was an it was a Naga, and then when I won that one, the guys like the refs there were like, well, you can't do intermediate anymore." So I was like, "Okay, so I'm," and I, but I did not feel ready to do advanced, so I didn't do another Nogi tournament for like actually a couple years. I exclusively did GEE for a little while after that because I was like, I was still. Like, I had just gotten my blue belt. I you like,
0: exclusively did gi. For a couple years. I can't years. imagine.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for a couple weeks. <laughs> no, no, for a couple of years. Oh, I thought you <laughs> for a couple of weeks. No, 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 a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, you know, like, I won this, it was like a local Naga. You know what I mean? And, like, I, I submitted four guys and they were like, you're sandbagging. I was like, I've been training for, like, eight months. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I have not sandbagging. Like, I'm, and I did intermediate. You know, it's not even like I did beginner or novice or anything. Um, you know, and so, like. After that, I just did Gi for a while because, like, for instance, that <laughs> that Naga in the pro division, there was like Nick Pace, who was a UFC fighter, and mm. right? I was like a nineteen-year-old blue belt who I've been training for like eight months, right? Like, he would have fucked me up. He was a black belt, you know what I mean? Like, it, it like there was like almost no point to me doing advanced at that point or like professional as ADCC calls it, right? So, I just did Gi for a few years, and then when I felt ready to do advanced again i i jumped back into nogi so like yeah i just did two nogi tournaments early in my jujitsu, and then later i just jumped right into advanced and like i don't know like i don't think that there's like any way you have to do it necessarily right like it just it's like whatever you feel like you're ready to do you know what i mean yeah like if you really want to do heel hooks then you just i just do advanced you know what i mean like if you feel like if i have a student i feel like they're as long as i'm don't feel like they're going to go out there and get injured, I feel fine with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that was really interesting about the tournament too, is I was talking to another student today while you guys were, were rolling or whatever, because he's mostly a gi guy. And he's a, I mean, he's been doing gi for like eight, eight to ten years, maybe longer, because he used to train with me back when I was at Trifecta. And he's like, oh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm ready to start doing some, like, knee bars and some toe holds and stuff. And I'm just like, dude, like, my white belts do that stuff. It's so bizarre because in the gi, you only do – those things at Brown Belt and above. Yeah. And, but now the game has changed so much, even everybody in the. In the can you, uh, you toehold a knee bar in the beginner?
1: I, I honestly don't know the rules. <laughs> I know intermediate you
0: can. Intermediate yeah. you can for sure, because a both, couple of my students got toehold finishes. So I know, and you can reap and you can do all of that stuff. Wow. I can't imagine doing jiu jitsu for like eight years and never doing a toehold yeah. or a knee bar or something like that. The game has changed so much. Like, What a crazy way to spend so much time. Not learning any lower body submission other than a straight ankle lock.
1: Yeah, it. I definitely think that they should be allowed earlier on. I mean, there's pros and cons to it. I think the big con is that, like, if you like, like, wait to learn them until you're a brown belt or whatever. Right by that point, it's like there's such a there's such a skill gap there, right, where like you've never worked on these techniques before, and then you're jumping into divisions where they're allowed. And it's, like, it's so difficult to, like, catch up to other people that have been doing them. for oh, the Oh, yeah. Yeah. It would
0: take so long to, get, to build, build that gap. Yeah. Or bridge that gap.
1: So I think it's, like, I tell students mainly to not worry about whether it's legal. Mm. Like, they say, oh, I can't, this isn't legal. I can't do this in this tournament. right? I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. But, like, you're not training to, like, win this blue belt tournament, right? Like, your goal ultimately is to get a black belt and do well in yeah. black belt divisions, right? So, like, I think you should just develop a game that, like, will – as long as it's legal in the black belt divisions, like that's what I tell people to focus on, right? Like, I don't really care that much about like blue belt tournaments. Like, Nogi Worlds just happened this weekend, and the amount of people that are calling themselves world champions now because they won blue belt divisions to me is like, it's like, come on, you're not a real world champion, you know? You're a world champion if you've won the black belt divisions, you know? Yeah, like, they
0: always do that, which is which is kind of weird. Yeah, they have world championships for each rank. I mean, I came from, and you also came from a wrestling background initially, right? And mm. as a wrestler, you just make your you compete at your division you're hopefully the best guy in your room so you get the starting spot and then you have no idea who that person that you're going to wrestle is that guy could be a quote-unquote black belt or they could be a person who just started wrestling like that season or or whatever and you're just like you either get smashed or you know it just is what it is so when you're a national champion or or or, you know whatever world champion in wrestling you're the world champion the best in the world at your weight class Yeah. But uh, jiu-jitsu, which I guess I'm okay with it, right? You divide it up by the belts or whatever. But, yeah, it's weird to call yourself a world champion when you've been training jiu-jitsu for, like, three or four years.
1: Yeah, so I have no problem with, like, the, like, Nogi Worlds having, like, blue, purple brown belt brackets or whatever, right? First of all, financially, from the promoter's perspective, it makes a lot of sense, right? It's probably where you're making most of your money, right? Yeah. But... I think it's like – and there's there's still difficult tournaments. Like to be – like to win a brown belt world championship in IBJJF is still like extremely difficult, right? It's very, very difficult. Um, I just don't view that as like a world championship. It's like you just want a really tough bracket. What right? do you
0: call it? What's a better What's a better word for it? <laughs> I
1: don't know. Man. I mean, <laughs> what's they're they're going to call it a world championship. Like the reason that it's called it ultimately is because – it's the worlds. It's the worlds. The IBJJF – is basically selling a product, right? And a part of the product is if you win the division, you can say you're a world champion, right? But, like, and, and there's a certain level of credibility to it because it's the IBJJF, right? Yeah. So they won't ever call it anything else, of course, right? Uh, but to me, it's like if you are a, like, Masters 2 purple belt world champion, I just hate when people do stuff like they put in their bio, like, five times IBJJF world It's Like, okay, well, you're not saying that you won... Blue belt masters two five times or something like that. You know yeah, I mean? it's like it's a different kind of thing to me. A world champion in jiu jitsu is one of two things black belt in the gi, Mundials, uh, or ADCC. Yeah, like that's those to me. Those are like the real world championships and no gi, IBJJF, black belt world championships. That's also legit, but I mean, maybe you could call that a world championship. But ADCC is like the Olympics or whatever, yeah. so it's like, yeah, but I, I guess like I view. If you've won ADCC or you've won the IBJJF, Mundials and the Gi, you're the best in the world at that weight.
0: Yeah, because right? the Nogi Worlds is still a little bit of a step, I think, mm-hmm. be- like, for sure, below ADCC. Yeah. Because they sure. technically have their own version of like the World Champions, the mm-hmm. IBJJF, Nogi stuff, which now I'm glad they're allowing heel hooks and stuff like that. That at least makes it a little bit more interesting. Yeah. But yeah, it's still a step down from ADCC, I think
1: nobody really cares about it to the same degree, right? Like, if I ask the average, like, jiu-jitsu fan, like, who, you know, if you mention the guys that have won IBJJF Nogi Worlds, a lot of them are very well-known, but, like, winning IBJJF Nogi Worlds doesn't basically automatically determine that you're going to become famous in the jiu-jitsu community, whereas winning ADCC basically does. Like, there's no one that... Wins ADCC that doesn't immediately blow up, right? Especially uh,
0: within the jiu-jitsu community, right? That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure.
1: I mean, some guy in the street doesn't fucking care. For yeah, ADCC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, maybe yeah. the guy in the street. The you're getting some randos who probably know, like Gordon Ryan, for example. Or there's, yeah, it's starting but, to permeate right. like the mainstream culture a little bit. Yeah, a yeah. little bit, right? Like the big, the biggest people.
1: Go- Gordon, because like for the thing is, is like I think a big part of his appeal is his personality, right? Like, it's not... just like the
0: Floyd Mayweather thing. Yeah. He's talking mad shit. He's getting a lot of eyeballs on him, right? People, even potentially that don't follow the sport, maybe watching to see if he'll lose. Kind of like a Floyd effect, right? Like, similarly.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, he's almost, in terms of, like, entertainment value, like, transcended the rest of the sport. I don't think there's any other comparable figures to him in that regard. Um, Yeah, there's not. Yeah. I mean, like, who's... I don't even think necessarily anybody's getting close. Maybe the closest would be, like, the Rotolos. I think
0: they're the the ones that might be on that trajectory, that similar trajectory.
1: They don't have the same, like, level of, like... So I think a big part of it with Gordon is that he shit-talks, shit right? Yes. He, he shit-talks, and there's, like... I think a lot of people live vicariously through him in yeah. that regard, right? They're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I could be like that, too, right? Like, fuck all these haters, right? Like, and the Rotolo brothers don't have that at all, right? Like, they're, like, nice and polite and stuff.
0: But their style is exciting enough. I mean, I can tell you, I just came back from the, the Philippines, the, the one show there where I was doing the judging, and both the Rotolo brothers fought, and they got a huge pop in the Philippines. The only people who got a bigger pop were actually, like, the Filipino fighters. But other than that, Cade and Ty both got huge pops from the audience. And this is in Manila. Yeah. Right? And still, uh, everyone on the card, only the local Filipino fighters, got a bigger pop than them, which is pretty crazy.
1: Well, you know they're half-Filipino. Really? You speak Tagalog.
0: You're, no, no stop it. I'm, I'm kidding. kidding I'm for a second, you had me, dude. Fuck, I'm kidding. For a second, <laughs> you yeah. had me. I was like,
1: shit. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Really. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the thing is, like, stylistically, they're pretty wild, right? So even if you don't, even if you don't train, there is like a, a visceral, like, you look at them, you're like, they're,
0: they're doing, damn exciting.
1: Yeah, they're doing crazy shit, right? Like, yeah, I just mean, like, I guess, like, um. The biggest sports stars tend to be like they have this combination of like a very charismatic personality. There's something about them that stands out that makes them interesting on a personality level, and then there's also their style, right? And there's like it's like a mix of these two things. And like I look at the Rotolos and I think like their personality is like, do they have like a a really standout personality that's gonna like jump at people? Because you don't have to be like a douchebag to be a star, right? GSP is one of the biggest stars ever. But like, I genuinely think Okay, so for instance, like, and I mean this, like, not even joking. Like, I think a big part of, like, why GSP blew up as a star is, okay, he's got this French-Canadian accent. It's kind of like you can make memes about it, <laughs> right? Like, you know, and, like, um, he's got this good guy image and stuff. And there's, like, all these things, like, that stand out to Americans about him, right? Yeah. Like, like I don't, is another example, I don't think, for instance, Connor, McGregor would have been as big a star. If he was from, let's say, like Detroit, right? Or like Wisconsin or something, right? Yeah. Like his, the being Irish thing is a, like, it's almost like a part of the appeal, right? Yeah. Um, and like the Rotolos are just like dudes from California, like surfer dudes from California, right? And does that have the same sort of like appeal? I don't know, man. I'm not.
0: Well, you get like know. a Floyd Mayweather who doesn't have the most exciting like personality, doesn't talk a lot right. of shit. Doesn't even have the most exciting fights. But
1: he does, though, fights. right? But, he, he's, but he's got this whole, like, money, Mayweather, like, fuck you, I'm the richest Yeah, Yeah, thing. that's true.
2: That that came later on in his career, but that's when he popped. But earlier, he just marketed himself as the best. He mm. was like, you know, I'm the best. And you're always going to get what... You, people always want to see, like, the tip of the spear, the mm. absolute best at something as well. So maybe that's how the retortes get. Like, if they keep winning and keep winning and keep winning, people are drawn to that automatically.
1: But in grappling, I mean, the thing is, is, like... The, Okay, I don't know that they are necessarily when it comes to, like, grappling, right? Because, like, the average person, you show the average person jujitsu, They look at this and they just, like, they don't even know what they're looking at, right? It's like, what, like, you you could show the average person a jujitsu match and it's not even clear who's winning half the time. So, yeah. Right? So, yeah, whereas boxing, like, it's obvious who's winning. If you're getting punched in the face, you're probably not winning, right? So... <laughs> Probably
0: not. <laughs> yeah it's more obvious i mean they in the sense they have a couple of things going for them there's the twin angle, which is kind of interesting they're both badasses, they're young, you know they're good looking they're twins they've been training together since they were Young, they have these like videos on YouTube of them beating the shit out of each other. Have you seen some of those videos?
1: No, I haven't. Oh
0: man, you can watch videos of them training in their garage,
1: but they're like little kids, right? No, oh, uh,
0: they're beating the shit out of each other, like they're
1: silly. clubbing each other hard, like oh, saw, nasty rolls, yeah, nasty rolls. I saw one in the lead up to ADCC where I, I was just watching like the, the promos that they had, yeah, and Kate and I don't know who, which one. One of them almost threw the other one into, like, they had, like, an air conditioning unit. And he was like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, so maybe that was one of them or something. Yeah.
0: yeah, some of those videos are crazy. Like, they have some crazy training sessions. And, you know, they're fun. Uh, I think that they're on that sort of trajectory. I mean, other than Gordon, I guess they would probably be the most prolific, especially after ADCC. Like, because Cade submitted everybody. Gordon didn't submit everybody. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, there's definitely that. And he's 19.
1: I'll tell, I'll tell you who I think actually This is not a person who even necessarily exists yet, but I'll tell you who could have appeal at the level of Gordon. If you had like a really hot girl and she won ADCC, like that would, I think that would. Yeah. yeah. If if Danielle Kelly, if she won mm -hmm. ADCC, I think she could potentially, right? Um, Do you get what I'm saying? Totally.
0: I mean, that was like Ronda, right? Yeah. I mean, Ronda Rousey was a beast. She was destroying everybody. She's beautiful. Like... She came in finishing everybody in the first round. Yeah, for sure, you could definitely have that. And
1: and we want to like pretend that that doesn't matter, right? <sighs> Come on, I mean, if, if you care about
0: if Gordon Ryan was fat. He would have much lesser of appeal. Well, just He's fucking <laughs> shredded,
1: right? right. Like, but maybe if he was fat, he had the same personality and he was still winning. With dudes, I think like. Like Roy a Nelson
0: different. or something, if he yeah. was smashing everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I imagine like a fat dude still talking shit and fucking everybody. <laughs> that's now. true. That's, I think, that's fair. I think I'd like him better, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: the beer drinkers all across America would rejoice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the
1: dad wow. bods all across America. Yeah, but and for better or worse, obviously with female fighters, there's a. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things you can criticize about this, but, like, there definitely is, like, if you're better looking, it's going to help you build your brand, right?
0: Especially in a male-dominated sport. 98% of the people that watch it are men. Yeah. So, to pretend like it's anything else, is it fair? No. Is it? But it is what it is, well, right? It's yeah. just the situation.
1: Yeah, you know what's funny, though, actually? Gabby Garcia, I was checking, like, follower counts once. I was just bored. So, I was seeing, like, who has the most followers in jiu-jitsu? And I don't know if this is still true, but uh, when I checked, Gabby had more than Gordon. Really? Yeah. So maybe maybe I'm actually fucking completely wrong. Maybe Jake,
0: just, can you do a little mm-hmm. internet research for us here on the, the check on my phone.
2: Yeah, so just, you, you've put the Christmas tree in the way of the TV, so no I can't. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, it's Christmas everybody.
0: <laughs> Almost Christmas.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> I can check on my I can check on my phone. I mean, even
0: if they're close, that would be crazy. I,
1: I I'm sure she's still close. Yeah. Cuz so she has a star appeal, which is like it's the weirdness aspect of it. Yeah. yeah. And she had those fights in Japan. I guess those, like old women. Which is the of that album woman it was brilliant.
0: For, the woman who ran across the ropes like she was a professional wrestler yeah. in the middle of an MMA fight against Kevin Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> she was about 45 years old. Mm-hmm. All right. The go to
2: mine. 69 ki I'm only saying that because I'll forget the number the second it disappears from in front of my eyes. So you two remember the number. 690. Six, 690k. Yeah. 696k. Six, Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, let's see, Gabby,
0: Gordon. As he, he's probably had an account or two deleted, though. I feel like in, uh, his, yeah. in his day. Well,
2: it was
1: his main one was recently deleted, yeah, actually. Right.
0: So maybe now Gabby definitely has a, or probably has a more one. Plus, all the Brazilians love Gabby. they all hate fucking, fucking hate Gordon. So I feel
1: like there's a lot of Brazilian fans of Gordon now. Yeah. I, I look yeah. at the comments. The
0: silent majority, maybe.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I'm looking at the wrong Gabby Garcia. Oh no. <laughs> The one I found has 9.3 million photos, but it's not Gabby Garcia. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not the same Gabby There's Garcia. another one. <laughs> oh, another one. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but, but yeah, there's a different appeal for sure.
1: For sure. Because like, Gabby has... There's like something about her that's like, you want to watch it no matter what. Yeah. Like, like even if you don't like what's happening, right? Like, you're like, it's like, it's so, there's like a novelty factor to it where it's like, has there ever been a female competitor in any combat sport? Like, maybe, maybe like some Russian chick in like the 70s and freestyle wrestling that, you know, no one's ever heard of nowadays, something like that, right? But like, she's
0: like a female Alexander Karelin or some shit. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And it's crazy. She just, she just lost. I know. To Amy Campos. Yeah. is like a ridiculous win
0: um again way smaller yeah she's five two
2: five
1: okay yeah, so i mean okay so close close, close. Fairly in close. close. In closer
2: universe. than yeah. I w- closer than closer than i would have thought it would have yeah. been is what yeah, I'd say. So For sure.
1: this was a couple years ago that i i remember looking at this and back then i think they were in like the mid 300 you know 300k range um and at the time she had more than him so but anyway regardless there's still like big and i think the other one that was the biggest was andre um which isn't really a surprise um but yeah anyway so
0: well you're doing all right yourself you got like 30 40k um
1: i just hit 42 right now which is not anywhere near those guys but like no but (laughs) for a
0: jujitsu person yeah like shows tons of like just videos of you drilling shit and showing how to do some leg locks and some passes and all that kind of shit like that's that's pretty respectable. That's some respectable numbers.
1: Yeah. Um, so,
0: oh, speaking of, can we can we can we touch on this? As a result of this, you got to do a private with Song Yedong, who I just put on my uh, Instagram, where he was at the.
2: Was he there yesterday? He was there yesterday because I, I met Yang, who yeah, yeah, yeah. has
0: long hair now, oh, oh. which kind of freaked me out. Yang is the over, owner of Equilibrium MMA, yeah. and he's been on the podcast too. Oh, cool. cool. I, dude, I get all these fucking people. Eventually, <laughs> <laughs> I managed to get them all. And so he told me on the podcast that you know he used to manage like John Wei Lee, and that back then Song wasn't even ranked, I think. He, he must have been 21, 22 years old, just moved to, I think it might have even been before he moved to Team Alpha Male. And uh, so, yeah, he was there with Yang yesterday, and me and Charmaine grabbed a photo with him. You were able, and he wanted to do a private with you to work yeah. on some leg lock defense or some shit, right? So
1: Yeah, it was cool. He, he, uh, I've watched him for years, you know. Um, like, I think he's probably my, like, top 15 favorite UFC fighters. Song
0: Yudong, if you for the listeners, if you don't know, he's, like, currently ranked number five in the, <laughs> I believe he's number five in the UFC bantamweight division. Yeah, like legit that. as fuck. Is he's, he's definitely the number one Chinese fighter in the world. Tang Kai is the current one champion. He's the first ever male uh, MMA world champion but of course you know like one in the UFC the UFC is still the biggest game in town he's top ranked, and he's young as shit too what is he 25? 26?
1: yeah he's still super young yeah.
0: something like that yeah
1: Tang really impressed me Tang Kai fucking good yeah. make no
0: mistake I'm not saying that Yeah, that, that that's not an amazing feat he's definitely the first ever male world champion but Song Yidong has a good chance of winning the UFC championship
1: yeah I, I really hope he does I think he has like a really fun style Um, but yeah anyway so he right, he's uh, I've noticed he's, like, liked some of my posts before. But, like, I never, like, put too much thought into that because, like, people, they see something, they like it all the time and whatever, you know what I mean? Um, but then, yeah, after I won the tournament, he came up to me with uh, the owner of Equilibrium. Yeah, Yang. Yeah. yeah, Yang. And um, he was like, can I do a private with you? And I was like, fuck yes, so you can <laughs> do a private with me. Yeah, I was like, that's sick. And so um, I – I scheduled it before the open mat at Stronghold today. I just you know, went to Equilibrium, talked the private. It was probably like an hour and a half, two hours. Went over, went over like a lot of leg like lock defense, stuff like that. He's doing combat jujitsu, the EBI. Yeah, tournament. he's doing
0: next <laughs> this weekend, dude. I'm going to be there oh, yeah, with yeah. David. Yeah Ron, was, yeah, Ron
2: was telling me about in, it. In Mexico?
0: No, no, he's doing the one here. No, he's
1: doing the one in, in Cancun. No,
0: they said he was doing the one at Tanglin. I thought. I
2: mean, someone had better find out for him because he's got a flight to catch if he's doing (laughs) it. No, no, Mark told me he
0: was doing the one at Tanglin CC, which is here in Singapore. I I think he's Wrong. Okay, so, that's what Mark said. I
1: didn't. I was like, yeah. "What? Song you is going do a combat in Singapore?
0: Who's no, going to fucking murder somebody?" No, no, no.
1: He's definitely not doing it because he. So he told me he's flying out Monday morning. Oh, yeah. That's okay. why we had to do it today. Yeah. So he's doing the big one that Eddie Bravo organizes. Oh, that
0: makes way more sense. Yeah. i
1: was like Who the fuck is going to sign up to <laughs> like, fight
0: combat jitsu with Song Yadong, man? What
1: some blue
2: belt from one of the academies here, like
0: <gasps>
1: Song Yadong, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Please, please don't hurt me. Everybody just forfeits <laughs> immediately. No,
1: this is. I think he's definitely getting paid to do this one. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, that
0: makes way more sense. I yeah. was like, what?
1: And he's going <laughs> against like, like very good people. Like that, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 There's there's Team Gracie Baja, Team 10th Planet, and B Team. And that's <laughs> funny. Like, you know, the B Team guys I've trained with a lot. You know, it's so, like they're really good at leg locks. And my, I basically, I the way I treated the private was I was like, okay. Let me prepare him so that his MMA career isn't ended this weekend. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. like that was. Here is like, how
0: you tap early. Here is yeah. how if somebody gets here, you fucking tap because you are going to fight somebody yeah. soon.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I was I, obviously I want him to be able to like survive sure. in those situations, right? But I also said to him like more than once, like, look, if you can't if you feel this, yeah, it's, <laughs> if it's done, it's done, right? And he was like, yeah, of course. He was like. I have a MMA. I'm sure team. he knows that. Yeah, he's not a some fucking extent. idiot. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, he's going out there. I'm sure he'd like. Did you to roll win. with them? No, we didn't. Specific roll.
0: Specific kind of thing.
1: I, I'm pretty sore from the tournament yesterday. Oh, that's true. That's I, if he was staying longer, I would have loved to. Right, yeah. but like, yeah, just we, drills. We drilled
0: light, specific type stuff.
1: Yeah, we drilled, and you can tell even from the drill, the dude is fucking an athlete.
0: Fuck you know, yeah, he yeah. is, dude. They're I just good. put my arm around him yesterday, and I was like, oh shit, Jesus Christ!
1: He was bigger than he looks. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And he's a bantamweight, 135 pounds in the UFC.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen bantamweights, so I've trained a lot with Aljamain Sterling. Uh, We're both from Long Island. Yeah. Aljamain Sterling is fucking
0: huge. Dude, that motherfucker, he must walk around like 180,
1: 170, 180. Probably, well... In between there, yeah, in between. yeah, 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 somewhere around there. Yeah. I'm in the
0: ballpark for sure. <laughs> he's he's definitely
1: he's definitely around there. Yeah, he's 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 very he's very big. He cuts a lot. That's
0: why when he grabs people, even like Pyotr Gan, like if he puts hands on people, like you can just tell they're like shit. Like the fact that they can't escape, is just like, I mean, obviously he's technical and all that kind of stuff too. But goddamn, he it, gets big. Anyway, sorry about Song don't continue on that cuz that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, well I mean, that's basically, yeah, you know, I taught a private to him and it was it was really cool. Where are you
0: working like uh like inside outside heel look defense, like shutting down like cross ashy entries, stuff we, like that? We
1: mainly just worked defense in the positions because like I think like um that's going to be much more that's a more valuable use of the time that we had because like anyone can stall and post on someone's shins and stay away from the bra. I don't need to teach him to do that, right? He's going to do that anyway, right? Like if he gets put into the positions I wanted to Make sure that he had. It's going to be a lot safer for him if he understands where the risks are, right? So, like, do you remember that grappling event where Cub Swanson had his knee destroyed yes. by Jake Shields? Yeah, yeah, and it was like, it's like, bro, it's like, and
0: that's such a bad matchup. Like, of all the people to have destroy your knee, Cub Swanson, a featherweight going against Jake Shields, like,
1: yeah, yeah, and it's just like, I remember watching that thing. Like, bro, that like fucking sucks. That's like, you're, brutal. You have,
0: that's one year. Yeah. One year, you're done.
1: You have an MMA career. In your actual career and you go out and you get injured doing a grappling match. And it's like – and it could have been avoided had he known the danger who he's in and just tapped, right? Like, yeah. I, And I don't even think – like I know Jake. Jake's a pretty nice guy. I don't think Jake was like trying to fuck him up or anything. It's just that like Cub literally turned the wrong way in the position and like blew his own knee out. Yeah. And so my main goal was like with a private – you know, it's only one private. There's only so much you can do. But I was like I think I can definitely prepare him to know where the risks are. Know how he can generally keep himself safe and understand at what point is he fucked and he should just tap right. Like just
0: a awareness type thing. right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly.
1: Yeah. So it was we worked like pretty late stage stuff. You know, heel slipping, toe slipping, hiding the heel, stuff like that. We went over like a bunch of different positions and um, yeah, and it was it was cool. How's, also, his, how's his
0: English? I mean, he, he chatted with me briefly for like a, a minute there, but I couldn't really get a, a vibe on. I know he's at Team Alpha Male now, so I'm sure he's getting a lot of exposure to.
1: Yeah. He said he's lived in Sacramento for five years, and uh, his English, it's it's okay. Yang needed to translate a lot. Uh, So Yang was there with you? Yeah, he was was there the whole time, and definitely needed to translate a lot. Um, Yeah, but I mean his English is better than my Mandarin, so... yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm an Italian citizen who can't speak Italian, so I can't really... I'm not really in a position to be yeah. criticizing it's other good. people for not yeah. speaking English perfectly. I suppose
2: the thing he's got going for him as well in the combat jiu-jitsu that Cub Swanson didn't is if someone does get hold of his leg, he can smack him in the fucking face. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that
0: is true. Yeah. That totally will change. Hey, you want a good defense for a heel hook? Yeah. But a punch the the in, the somebody's in the face, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, because the strikes can, definitely change it.
1: They, they do, but you could also be shocked at how much sometimes they don't. Um, well they,
0: I mean, you can still definitely yeah. hit, hit through that, but <laughs> it definitely will elicit a reaction if you get a bitch slap right across your face while you're trying yeah. to put two hands on somebody's leg. Depends on how late the heel hook is. I mean, if you're in, in deep shit, if yeah. you're in late stage stuff, and your hand is here, and you already should have tapped a while ago, yeah. you know,
1: well, what I'm saying is, is like, if, like, so for instance, like one guy who's doing the tournament, Kieran Kichuk, right? I would consider him like a, a fairly elite leg walker. If a guy like Kieran gets your leg and you're thinking about hitting him in the face, you're going to have to have surgery. Like, you should be tapping. Like, yeah, that's know, what I'm saying.
0: Mean, if your hand is here. Yeah, yeah. When it should be here. Yeah, yeah.
1: Earlier than then. Yeah, earlier than then. Yeah, 100%. You can, like. Uh,
0: Especially the entries and stuff, right? Like yeah. And, like, yeah, on um, late stage, you got to be ready to put your hand on them to tap, right? Yeah. But the, the transitions, the early stage stuff, before you're in deep yeah, shit, yeah. when you have the opportunity to smack some people in the face. Although, having said that, punching is different. Because yeah. I'll, I'll take a few smacks in the face to finish a heel look mm-hmm. any day. It's totally different than having somebody who can drop bombs on you and really, really punch you. You know, because um, still, you can knock somebody out with a slap. Make no mistake about it. But the threat is definitely neutered a little bit compared to if you can just drop bombs on them, right? Well, Although we have seen people get knocked out with slaps.
1: Yeah. Do you remember, so Damian Anderson, uh, palms. It, so, because you can slap, but you can also basically palm strike, which I would say are like different things, right? Like a slap is like side to side kind of. And a palm strike, you can tilt your wrist back. and
2: the throw like a straight punch almost. It, yeah, it's
1: almost like a punch with your, the bottom of your wrist.
2: Baz roots used to have that. The yeah. insane one that he knocked people out of there. In pancreas, you, yeah. yeah. Because that was yeah, so. the rule in
0: pancreas. You couldn't open, closed, or you couldn't close fist punch. So F- he, he would just palm strike people. Yeah. yeah. And it looked nasty. It was, <laughs> it was nasty, like, oh, I right? can't punch. Watch this. That friend, like that Frank Sam- Shamrock one where they're yeah. both in like the 50-50 and he just starts like palm
1: striking him and Shamrock's like,
0: yeah. and he sticks his tongue out and then he ends up getting finished.
1: Yeah, very bizarre rule set Pankrace had.
0: But, I love uh, it. It's so fun. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but anyway, I was gonna say about yeah, yeah. Damian Anderson. He I don't remember what position it was, but he KO'd someone co- like out cold with, with palm Palmstress. I saw that. That was yeah. EBI.
0: Or uh that was the this, Eddie Bravo Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, 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 same, yeah, same thing. I saw that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So
1: yeah, I'm I'm really excited to watch it now and I'll especially be watching him and like Would you ever do that? Uh I yeah, I think I would. Like I would only do it if it was actually EBI, cjj. If
0: it was, like, that one, specifically. Like, the yeah. p- most prestigious version of that.
1: Yeah, otherwise, no. I'm not going to do, like, a local tournament where, like... No, fuck, no, fuck that. Yeah, like... <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking, like... It's not really worth it, I think. But if it's a big stage, yeah. But even then, it would depend, like, who I'm doing it against, right? So, for instance, if they ask me, they go, um, who's the featherweight champion right now? Volkanovski. Mm-hmm. They say, hey, Volkanovski wants to have a common jiu-jitsu match. And like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And we're back, everybody. Sorry sorry if this is an abrupt segue. I don't remember where we were before we ended the podcast, but the pizza arrived. And Rob and I have not eaten all day, so that had to be, uh, that had to be uh, dealt with. So we had some pizza and talked shit for about 45 minutes, and now we're back. Yes. <laughs> and the conversations that we had are not no. conversations that we can have on the air, so those are for private time. Yeah. Um, all right, so I know what we were going to do, though. Uh, I thought it would be cool, Rob, if we broke down uh, some of the stuff that you did at the, at the competition over sure, yeah. yesterday. The competition was yesterday.
1: Before we talk about that one, let's go to the Thailand one, the ADCC Thailand. And we'll talk about those, and like I'll talk about like um, changes that I made. So I got second place in Thailand. You know, I mean, it's not bad. I won three matches and I lost one in the finals. I'll, I don't know, I haven't posted the loss, but I'll talk about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just, if you don't post it, it didn't happen. You so won. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> all about the gram, baby. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, uh, but I'll wait, what was it, it? Points? Just curious. It was it. a points so wow. loss. Yeah, yeah, like a
2: pass or
1: um, a back I'll, take. What? I'll, I'll get that. Sure, sure, sure. It was, yeah. it was a, a pass. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll talk about like how it how it happened.
2: Sure. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. it was
1: um, good. So So, which yeah. one do you want so just scroll down. Yeah. Keep, keep i
2: not got the best view, so be patient with me. No, just keep going
1: <laughs> just a little bit, a little bit more. That's the Siam Cup from last weekend, but that, that's not the one we're gonna look at. So I won that one. I had three matches. uh Keep going. A little bit more.
0: Yeah, your Instagram is pretty fucking dope, though, dude. I wish I had the time and the patience. I had the time. I don't have the interest. I definitely have the time. I don't have the interest to so, update uh, this much. Isn't it a lot of work?
1: Uh, yeah, we this? can talk oh. we can talk about that too. Like I think like jujitsu guys like marketing is something you gotta just pull that back
0: in. It's true. Yeah. I just so, so have no to go a
1: little bit more. Sorry, man. Sorry, I'm Insta- that's right. Instagram slut. Uh so keep that <laughs> <up>. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram thought. Yeah, so right here. Okay. Well, that's
2: why you got forty thousand no, followers. That.
1: Yeah, so, pull, pull that so, mic back in. Oh,
2: Please. That's
1: is this good? Yeah, that's good. Okay, so go to the one on the top right. That was my first So yes, Yeah, so watch that one first. This one's kinda like
2: Oh, this is backside.
1: Yeah, maybe the least Interesting yeah.
2: insect like code across
0: but yeah the the entries and then the the finishing well, I thought it would be a really interesting, yeah thing so, for the listeners, so,
1: yeah, so we'll ta- start talking about this here, so what happened there is he went into my clothes guard and I went K guard back to 50 heel hook. and this guy did not want to tap, and there was a very loud pop right here <laughs> yeah it. That was
0: close guard. He stands up. You get the gable grip behind the knee. K guard entry. The <laughs> knee line is even free there for a second. For,
1: for a second, but K guard is pretty easy to pull. Oh, I the guy see where I it can. went back in. Yeah,
0: because he had it out, and then you actually, you know, who was talking to me about this was uh, DC, who's the the gym legend. DC, DC, the guy who buys the beers for everybody oh, at the okay. gym and all that shit. <laughs> okay, yeah, that he was guy. saying that one of the things that he observed about watching you was that you know, generally they they I teach. More often than I should, and this actually made me reconsider some of the things I teach is that generally I teach when something is gone, move to the next thing. Uh. But you're really good, particularly in your leg lock entries, about like you have really good at like recovering the knee line. Yeah. At the level of leg locking that I'm at, which is certainly not your level, I will very often like bail to the back take or the sweep or the wrestle up or, or whatever. After a failed leg lock entry, but you're really good and systematic about actually recovering the knee line, like you did here. Yeah. Can you can you click on that one more time, Jake? Yeah. yeah. Because there's a moment here <laughs> where the knee line is gone, and then you have a really nice knee line recovery.
1: Yeah, but let me just so sort of touch on this. So pause right here. Uh, pausing, I don't think I can. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can. If you just yeah. click on it. So so to comment on like when should you transition? Like there are 100 percent times where you should just like give up on the leg lock. It's just not there, right? Um, the way I think about it is like, <clears throat> okay, so. Years ago, I was traveling and I was doing some thinking about like how do you – like what do you need to finish a leg lock? And more or less, uh, to make it like really simple, what you need is you need the heel, right? You need heel exposure, right? And then you need to have your legs wrapped. Typically, you need – sometimes there are exceptions to this. But usually, you need your legs wrapped above their knee line, right? So – but the, if you think about it, the order in which you get that doesn't matter as much. So years ago, everyone – focus first and foremost on getting the knee line first, which I still think is the best way to do it, right? But there are times where you can get the heel first, then get the knee line, or you can get the knee line, then get the heel, lose the knee line, and then regain the Mm. knee line, right? Um, Which
0: is what it looks like you did here in this clip. Yeah,
1: there's actually a more notable example of that later on. But yeah, so we saw this one.
0: Can you you just run through it one more time, Jake, so I can can see that? Because, yeah, in the initial, uh, the initial, by... There's a point where you re- – oh, you have it here.
1: Yeah, and here we went belly down and oh, dude, it was it was, so, it was so loud and it's like – this guy is Dagestani. They told me ahead of time that like, he's not
0: going to – See, right you. there. The down. knee is out and then what do you – right uh, there. The you, you, did you just like stretch it? Um,
1: so there it was just like when you – there are different ways you can pull it in. So if you have a gable grip with like a K guard, so, uh, so go back. This one again? Same. Yeah. So yeah, if, we're, yeah. if you want me to go through that, yeah, yeah,
0: I'd love to see how you regain the knee line here. Like just
1: so, repeat. so just get ready to pause it when I. We'll yeah. have to pause the exact words. Okay. Because you can right, see right, right here. here it's right out. here. Pause. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, the play, that <laughs> play, play buttons, the buttons oh, in the way. Yeah. <laughs> but so basically, I'll just describe what's happening here, right? So if you have like a gable grip on their ankle for the K guard entry, right? Um, it's actually very easy to hold on to their leg as they're moving, and so then you can. As they're moving away from you, you can pretty easily pull. Just
0: extend and hike up yeah, to recover. And, and
1: then drop your lower leg or uh, hit play and s- stop in a moment when I say so. So play. All right, so just go jump back across. Yeah, sorry. I know it's yeah, kind of – Yeah, And right here. Pause again. Pause. Okay, so right there. Fucking – Fucking boy, I know. The play button. <laughs> so like
0: – If you're listening to this, the, the play button on the Instagram video keeps popping and it's directly –
2: obscures the view of what (laughs) we're trying to talk about (laughs) next next time send us the video (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. anyway so um i have the heel hook here and here is as long as it's tight you can still pull and straighten out your body and then drop your lower leg to regain the knee line Right, i see
0: what you're saying yeah so
1: you were basically understanding it Mm -hmm. uh, but just to go into depth that's what's going on there and then we rolled and like Rolling at this point, I think, is one of the possible defenses that can work, especially if you're willing to go out of bounds. But ADCC handles this completely differently than most organizations. ADCC, they don't stop you when you go out of bounds.
0: Yeah, yesterday there were people that were like on the cement. Yeah. Off the mats, and they were like, still letting him go Like into the crowd. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, so
1: ADCC is one of the only ones that will do that. And for leg lockers, it's super helpful because <laughs> I'm just not going to stop, right? So if the, if the rule doesn't require me to stop, I'm just going to do the leg lock, uh, even if we roll out of bounds. So, yeah, that's what I did here. And uh, this guy was super strong, but I was able to get to the uh, the heel hook on him. Yeah. So, anyway, let's go to the, the next one. Okay. So we we don't need to go over like everyone. If you click on that, one... yeah, click on that one right there. So this is this is a match where I actually did decide, fuck it, I'm not gonna leglock lock this guy. So I had tried to leg lock him like three times, and his defense was really good. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna body lock him. So I came out. T- I used the leg lock to get the sweep, and then here I get a body lock. I force a half guard. He's gonna get a knee shield back, but then I'm gonna be able to pummel my hips over the knee shield into uh, basically. I give him a choice between mount or back control, and he he turtles so i I take his back and then i I won off of points in this match um yeah obviously that's a
0: nice that's a nice move though though he tries to bring that knee shield up and you're just right on top of it
1: yeah because you because basically in that situation both of his knees are pointing in the same direction so you can sprawl your hips onto that and then that gives you like uh the ability to move forward
0: because i think a lot of younger people struggle with the knee shield yeah. It can be, if you don't know how to pass it, it can be, that shit can give you nightmares for a long time.
1: Yeah. So there, I have I have a body lock locked in. And when he went to, using a knee shield against a body lock can sometimes work, especially if you're really tall like Craig, like Craig Jones. Uh, but this guy was uh, not that tall. He was a shorter guy. And I, I think if they've got a body lock locked in, it's pretty easy to sprawl. And then there's a lot of like passing options. Like you could do like a – similar to like a leg weave or a dope mount type mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. Or, or here, what I did was I, I went to the back. So I wanted to show that one because I I was very focused on doing also – like working on things that aren't just leg locks, right? Like and in that situation, I think that coming on top was the correct choice. I had tried to heel hook him a few times. He defended well. I wanted to move on to something else. So, yeah, I did. Um, and then that one there, we don't have to watch that one. I'll just briefly talk about it. I just, I heal the guy really quick. Like, yeah. A, <laughs> I don't even think, it, it's like, let's watch it one time. Cause one a, it? I mean, if
0: we watch them, it, it's fine. This is interesting. It's, I think it's, it's, it's a, good for people to that are watching to do this. And I know you've been developing your body lock passing because you, you do it to everybody in the gym. So it's something you really working on is yeah. that, that body lock passing. Is that because it, it, it shuts down the hips and shuts down a lot of the leg entries and a lot of the ability for people to get in on your legs too?
1: Yeah. So I think that the body lock is one of the best passes for no-gi because it, in no-gi, one of the big problems when it comes to guard passing is like that you don't have the same access to grips that you do in the gi. So how are you going to hold someone down as effectively, right? And the body lock is a way that you can use closed wedges, right? Connect your hands around their hips and really easily control their movements. You know, in the gi, if you grip someone's gi, that's kind of like a closed wedge right there. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But in no gi, it's like a collar tie on someone's head when you're knee cutting. can create pressure, but it's not the same kind of like stickiness to it. Yeah. Right? But a body lock, I think, does, you know? Um, So it's interesting. I'm much more of a no gi guy. Right, but I roll in the gi on occasion too. I teach two gi classes, kind of gi classes. (laughs) I let the students wear gi if they want, Um, so almost nobody does. But it's kind of of a gi class. Yeah. No,
0: you said it's just you and the gi, and everybody else is no gi. Yeah, I I, I
1: wear a gi, so it's sort of (laughs) gi. But anyway, um, I'll roll in the gi and roll against people in the gi sometimes, and there I find body locking is—you really don't even need it. There's honestly better options, like. Gripping the pants and stuff like that, gripping the belt, tight ways. I think it's not really the best option in the gi. But in no gi, there's very few things that are comparatively, like, uh, sticky in terms of, like, strong connections you can form to another person.
0: Then right? when you can connect your hands. I mean, yeah. that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the only closed wedge you get, really, because you're not grabbing sleeves, you're not grabbing the belt, you're not yeah. grabbing the lapels.
1: Yeah, for sure, yes. Um, yeah, so it's it's a really strong pass. Um, and it, it shuts down, like you said, their ability to enter into legs on you. If you have a body lock on somebody, they can't leg lock you because their hips are shut down, right? They can't go okay K-guard because they can't invert and they can't elevate you meaningfully into like Ashigurami or anything, right? Now, there are sweep options. They can still hook sweep you, like Tsumageishi-style hook sweeps. Um, some people, But that
0: requires getting under you a little bit more. Yeah, Right, it, And if you're, if you're really tight with that body lock and you're low on the hips, they need to get you up chest-to-chest chest a little bit higher in order to elevate. And-
1: yes. Um, if you look at the two best I've ever seen at that are Sana ikikuta, who's the only Asian male ADCC champion ever. And he's a Japanese guy that won back in like, I want to say 2000 or maybe 2001. Um, he won 77-kilogram division. And, um, and then uh, John Satava multiple time North American Trials winner never won or medaled at ADCC yet but is like super good at that sweep and it's interesting because both of those guys use body lock passing so like they have good counters to the body lock pass right so it's, I've always thought it was interesting that the two best people I've ever seen at countering the body lock with sweeps themselves play body locks mm-hmm. right like it's, it kind of makes sense if you think about They'd it.
0: They probably teach their students and then the people that they train with who get a really good skill at it. And then as a result, they develop the the way to attack it, right, and to defend it.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so, yeah, we'll watch this one quick. Wait, this one is it? This that, one? No, 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 the other – that one right there. Uh-huh. Yeah, this one This one people really loved because I was nice to the person. So, Double Koichi, Kane Wasami, that's like one of my favorite entries. Uh, that that's a – so pause it right here. This is a new thing that I'm doing. Uh, when you do a kanibasami and you're on the bottom, you get what's called a bottom cross ashi. And then from there, a lot of people get crushed because they don't know how to disperse the pressure. And because yeah,
0: the trick here looks like it's going to be getting the hips back to the mat um, It's with their weight on top of you.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yes, that's mm. your goal most of the time. Uh, it's not what and happens.
0: And the problem it seems like if I – because I do get stacked like that sometimes yeah. and have trouble redirecting their hips to the mat.
1: Yeah, there's a couple different things you can do, and that's probably the main one. That's actually not what happens here. There's a couple different things, but um, yeah, anyway, I'll say that um, I don't want to break this one down too much yet because I'm making an instructional on it. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, on an instructional, I'm going to talk about what I did here. This is a new thing that I'm doing, um, which is not. So, on my old of Asami instructional, I show the classic way, which is like. I've been doing that method for years, right? But I think there are certain shortcomings of that method, specifically that it requires you to gain access to both of their legs. You've got you to grab both of their legs, right, in order to put them down in the old way, which I, we can look at in uh, – I hit it in the finals of ADCC Singapore. This new way that I'm doing things, you only need one leg, and sometimes that's all you can get. You'll see in the other two matches in ADCC Singapore, I only get one leg.
0: So, and a con- Connie talking for the listeners, is like a leg scissors type entry yeah. into the, the cross ashy.
1: Yeah, it literally translate to, translates it's... to crab scissors. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Connie, <laughs> Connie is crab, yeah. So it's like, I guess... Japan is like a very seafood <laughs> culture, so yeah. Crab scissor. Yeah, there's another move that I call an ebi basami, which is like shrimp scissors, um, that like it's similar to the kai basami, and like I was like, oh, I'll just call it that. Yeah, keep the seafood theme active.
0: Um, so can yeah. we can we throw this back on there? James? Yeah, we'll
1: yeah. just so we'll just finish it, and then I get the heel hook, and I, what's notable here that a lot of people really liked. So I catch the heel, and you see I look up. That's nasty.
0: I mean, it's so deep. Yeah, the fact that he doesn't tap is crazy. Well,
1: he, so he, he does. He, this I, guy, mean, I mean, the
0: fact that he did it in that exact moment when you have the heel, you're so deep on it. Yeah. The, so, the hips are right outside the knee. Well, so you're saying there? you literally saved that dude because <laughs> yeah. you, you knew.
1: Well, there's, there's a story there behind that. So basically, I get the heel, and as soon as I get it, I hear his coach screaming to tap. And I, you see I look up. I look at the coach.
2: And I'm making eye
1: contact with the coach. Coach is like, tab, tab. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, like, I broke, or maybe, I don't know if I broke, but I I popped the last guy, right? Right. This guy's coach is fucking screaming to tap. I'm like, oh, he's going to tap. So I just waited. I didn't apply any pressure, and I let him tap. And so – No,
0: you say that dude's ACL. Yeah. Or some, whatever ligament you would have torn if you had just gone for it. Yeah.
1: So if you look at – Because that's
0: as deep as it gets.
1: For sure. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was done 100%. Yeah. It's funny. If you look at the like ratio, the one where I was nice got way more likes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like – I guess
0: out – yeah. I thought Instagram was a toxic place and they would only go for the fucking evil shit. It's
1: probably a good thing, right? It shows uh, <laughs> people like niceness, yeah. But I, the only reason I didn't break him is because he fucking – his coach was yelling to tap and then he, he, he tapped, right? Like if you don't tap, like the competitor who has the joint lock, what are they supposed to do? They have to finish the joint lock, right? Yeah. So if he hadn't tapped, I would have finished it, right? But fortunately – Are there
0: neither. times that you in competition – should have broken and maybe someone got out of something because you were being nice and instead – you know what I mean?
1: Um, I mean there have been times where I didn't injure people because – And I, they
0: got out and you lost or something like that?
1: I've never lost after that. Oh. Are there, there, OK. There have been times where I've had heel hooks. People have gotten out and then I've lost. But the only times I've ever gotten a heel hook on somebody then deliberately not blasted it. Uh, I've won after the fact so I'll give you two examples one was I had a match with a 15 year old kid yeah so he entered the adult <laughs> he's never gonna top right? yeah so he entered the adult advanced division and I got him in crossashi. and I knew that the organizer and the organizer was like he, he's like he's like Rob please don't heel hook this kid <laughs> and so I was like okay okay so I got on top and I took his back uh, and then I, I actually arm barred him, but that he respected. I was, I got it. I held it really gently. Yeah. It's easier to do that than a heel hook, especially if a kid is like, he
0: just, cause you could turn the wrong way. Yeah. You could spaz out and injure yourself with uh-huh. the heel hook. It's harder to do that with an arm bar. Yeah,
1: for sure. So I held the arm bar and then the kid tapped because I'm sure he, I don't even know if he knew what a heel hook was. Right. Like, I don't know. Like he's a young kid. Has he ever trained that? I'm not sure. What was that
0: EBI competition where they had the, un, the under – the two girls competed. They were like 16 years old and they allowed the heel hooks and then the girl got put in the inside heel. hook. looked like she didn't even know what was happening and all of yeah. a sudden she got the triple tear, ACL, MCL, whatever it was. Yeah. That was brutal. She was like 16, got put – they made the heel <laughs> hooks I guess okay in the last minute and then all of a sudden she's horrifically injured. Yeah. You
2: know.
1: I don't think you should ever allow serious joint locks for children. Like even, Seems a bad idea. Yeah. So I, I refed the tournament years ago where these two 13-year-olds went against each other. And um, it was a, a guy and a girl, both young, so they made them go against each other. And the girl got the guy in an armbar, like the, the boy. I should say the boy. And I, I immediately stopped. The
0: girl, the, the girl got the boy in an armbar. The girl got the boy,
1: right? Yeah. They're both 13. And I stopped the match immediately. And like the – the dad of oh the boy God, and the boy yeah. were like yelling at me. They're like, you made him lose to a girl. And I'm like, bro, I made him not get his arm broken by a girl. You yeah. know what I mean? Because
2: like, uh, <laughs> I tell you what as was well, about. A boy is definitely not tapping there right, and yeah. will let his arm
1: get broken. So you yeah. did the right the thing.
2: The ego alone, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. So I, I feel like I did the right thing in that situation because uh, his it was a fully extended arm bar. Like he was yeah. done. There's no just, getting out.
0: Some of these parents are so short-sighted about this kind of stuff. It's yeah. like you really want your 13-year-old. To get possibly injured in like a regional, local jiu-jitsu competition, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Well, how it's up- like there's a reason why you're the ref and not the goddamn parent. Yeah. It's because they're too close to the situation. <laughs> right. To be fucking objective. It's like you're, you're letting your ego cloud. You, this is why you need someone else to be in charge of that and not you because you're, yeah. you know, you're obviously not capable of being impartial with your own child.
1: How often do you hear at tournaments like the parents of like kids saying stuff like fucking kill him or break it? And yeah. It's like, bro, they're like little kids. I saw,
0: like, it, <laughs> I saw it yesterday because I had like six kids competing in the ADCC and I, I won't say the coach. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you after. I'm sure you can probably guess pretty quickly though. No, no, no. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, one of my students was uh, competing against another student. You know, they're like eight years old or seven years old or whatever. He has him in an arm bar in the guard and then he, you know, he pulled guard, had him in an arm bar – and it was the finals, and he, this my student pulled guard, and I was like, first of all, I told him not to pull guard because obviously you get a negative point if you pull guard. Yeah. And he was just like, because he told me, he's like, I'm going to pull guard. And I was like, no, so this one you can't. It's the finals. You're going to get a negative point. Don't pull guard. He went in there and just pulled guard. <laughs> you know? But then he, he managed to get him in an arm bar, and he's getting it, and he's getting it, and he's kind of cranking it, and they're in the middle of rolling where he's like rolling through, and then the referee stopped the match, and then the coach just kept being like, hey, ref, what the hell? What the hell? His elbow was out. His elbow was out. And he just kept saying his elbow was out. His elbow was out. And I'm like, dude, they're eight years old. <laughs> Does he eight. Not, uh- he's in the middle of like rolling out of it to try to say He had it on for like five seconds already and he's scrambling. He'd already let it go on for a while. Right. And it's like maybe the elbow was out, but for a split second in the middle of the transition, it's just like don't so yell at the referee over this. Like yeah. he's eight. Just fucking chill out.
1: Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty dumb, man. Um, I think the only time to risk joint lock damage is when it's a high level competition between adults. Yes, and even, who can choose
0: that for themselves.
1: Yeah, and even then, it's like, bro, like, if you get me in something and it's done, like, I'm just gonna tap, man. You know what I mean? It's like because at the end of the day, it's like, bro, it's like, if I don't tap, am I gonna be able to train anymore? Yes. Right? Like, it's like it's so short
0: sighted like, exactly. to not tap.
1: Yeah, it's fucking stupid, but yeah. So anyway, that's the story of me being nice to this, <laughs> this guy.
0: Well, actually, were you surprised yesterday? Sorry, just to go back to that point for a sec. Were you surprised yesterday at the amount of injuries that I saw? There were a lot. A lot of people weren't tapping when they should have. <laughs>
1: no, I'm not surprised. Really? I saw, I don't know how many people
0: like holding their like feet, like yeah. getting crutchered out. Charmaine, my wife, has been on the podcast a bunch of times. She, she managed to snack a bronze in the pro division, which was sweet, and she got... Her arm all fucked up and her neck all fucked up and everything. And Charmaine's arm is fine, you know. She just got it cranked a little bit. She ended up being all right. But the amount of people I saw limping around and like getting toe holded, and I saw a couple people with the heel hooks that were like late tapping. And I'm like, man, just tap, yeah, just tap. What are we doing? It's a local competition in Singapore. Just tap.
1: But it's it's also ADCC Singapore, so I do think that there was like I felt like going into that there was a it felt like more important than a regular tournament like people it's the
0: biggest nogi tournament that's ever happened in singapore i think yeah. i think that's fair to say
1: yeah i think so it, it...
0: had the most people it had the most attention mm-hmm. the divisions were the deepest of any nogi competition i've ever seen in singapore and i've been in the scene since nogi existed in singapore basically
1: yeah so it was i you know i told my students going in like you have to expect that this is not a regular jiu jitsu tournament like people are going out there to fuck you up and you have to expect like a a certain difference in aggression than a regular tournament like yeah and I, I definitely felt that there you know it wasn't just a regular small tournament I thought it was even more intense than the ADCC Thailand oh also I should mention the finals that I lost yeah which I did not post
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay give, give us the story well what was the situation
1: so basically I'll start from the beginning which is that I made a tactical blunder which I now know how to correct because I asked Shenya after the fact and he explained it to me. So in the finals you can't pull guard. But the first half of the match there's no points. So you can get taken down. If you deliberately allow yourself to get taken down, you can you're basically pulling guard legally. That's
0: what Gordon did against Andre. Yeah.
1: yeah. And Luke Griffin did this against Owen Livesey in the finals of European trials. Um, Luke is a major training partner of Gordon's, right? Like, I'm surprised... They more- just dangle that shit out. Yes. If you take the bait, then, yeah. you know, you just go down. I'm surprised more people don't do this, but...
0: They're gonna, because now, yeah. like, Gordon pretty much exposed it to, to everybody. He did it against Nicky Rod, and he did it against Andre.
1: I hope they never change this rule, by the way, but... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, in the finals, I thought I did that. So, the kid... My my opponent uh, Nikolai, I shouldn't call him a kid because he beat me. I'm I'm not saying it like an insulting way. He's younger than me. That's why oh. I'm saying. That right. So Nikolai, he collar tied me and then he like kind of foot swept me. I was like, oh, that's a takedown, bro. So I sat down, but they're like, no, like he didn't touch my leg. So it's gotta be, like I guess he has to be like touching your leg. So from now on, oh, he
0: kind of whiffed on it and you just went down. And, yeah. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so I've been waiting for this.
1: <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> yeah. And so I got a negative and I was like, damn it, fuck. And so. We were pretty neutral for I was trying to enter. He was defending. Pretty neutral for most of the match. And then I think there were about two minutes, a little under two minutes left. And I got a K guard. I inverted. I went to go to backside 50-50. Got pretty close. He put his hips down, and I came up off of that. I was trying to score the sweep. I wasn't able to hold him down. I should have, like, been more um, aggressive with trying to hold him down. I think it was, like, two, like— Cautious.
0: Or did he turtle right? or he just managed to get back on top or something?
1: No, he, so he, I, he went down to his back. And then when I came up, I don't remember exactly what happened, but he sprung back up. He
0: couldn't put, get control.
1: Couldn't get, I couldn't consolidate the yeah. sweep. And he put me back down. And when he put me back down, instinctively, I was like, oh, it's ADCC. I can't let my hips go to the floor. I turtled. But that was a tactical error because it, if I would have just gone back to, back to, down to my my hips. That wouldn't have been a it wouldn't have been a reversal because I hadn't reversed him because I didn't consolidate it. Oh, I see. Right, so he wouldn't yeah. have scored either. So it still would have remained. I still would have had a negative one. But yeah, I know I, I turtled, and as soon as I did it, he grabbed my hips. I was like, "Fuck, that was so stupid." And then eventually, I was able to regard. but it was not a great regard because he was he was he was all over me. Um, the, this guy's a lot bigger than me. He's, he cut to make seventy seven. I walked in at like 71, right? So I was pretty small. And he was able then to get a pass to north-south, and that's how he won. And so after that, I was like, okay, I need to make adjustments for ADCC Singapore. Uh, So I wanted to talk about the Thailand tournament first because it's like, I see these two tournaments as like, okay, ADCC Thailand, I went out there, I, I worked to develop my game in new areas, but I didn't... I didn't fight as aggressively for my A-game. I mean, there's always... When you're competing, there's a reason to do different things, right? Like, sometimes you compete to grow as a competitor. If you only ever do the same thing, you're not going to get better. But there's other times where you just have to be like, I just need to fucking win this, right? And so that's how I felt about ADCC Singapore after... You know, I was trying to win this, make no mistake, but I feel like I should have insisted on my A-game a little bit more. Like, in the finals, I should have fought harder for leg locks, you know? I was thinking... More about like scoring, you know, which was. You
0: chose a different tactic to sort of f- see how that would go in competition as opposed to sort of forcing the issue and getting into your best positions and attacks.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, both approaches are, are important, right? Um, I wanna well, you
0: a... learn valuable things from the thing in Thailand, right? Yeah, like, for sure. Th- that would be the long term <clears throat> thought process of like, why would you not go to your best stuff in the finals and. You know, you learned a valuable fucking lesson about yeah. this very specific situation, which is an important meta when it comes to the finals of any of these things. Like yeah. the rules and the very specifically what situations do here and there. Like you turtle when you should have gone back because of it. So you might not have had the lens of that thought had this not happened, which yeah. may benefit you down the line. Yeah, for sure. And this sure. is how this shit goes, right? I mean,
1: yeah, it it, it was definitely valuable, um, and I feel like I, I. Um, you know, my goal as a competitor is I want to simultaneously be capable of being a very dangerous leg locker while also being a very good positional grappler, right? Because I think that that's how you win high-level tournaments. You can't just be a good leg locker. Uh, it, 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 and, and you can sequence your leg locks with positional grappling. So anyway, but so if we go back up to the ADCC Singapore, unfortunately these videos are not as high quality. Uh, <coughs> Which one do you want first? We'll do, we'll do that one first. So this is... Probably, I think, the most interesting one. So this was against Paul Lim, who's a really tough local guy. He's been training with Mikey Musumeci. So I elevate him here. And so this one I'm going to have to have you pause a lot. Yeah, yeah, nice. Another
0: Connie Basami entry.
1: Yeah, all three in this tournament were Connie Basami. We'll watch this whole thing and then we can – I'll break it down.
0: Yeah, that's that's the way to do it.
1: And the finish, unfortunately, you can't really see what happens super well, but I'll explain it and you guys will just have to take it on faith.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dude, the next time we do this, just – like let me and Jake know. We'll have him come and actually give like professional quality video and shit. So okay, sure. oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, come film right. me. So man. that way it's we fine. can break this down and get. Okay, the I'll, best Okay, I'll, I'll video give you multiple
2: and angles and everything.
1: if Great, you want. great, nice. <laughs>
0: you know how we do things, dude. Come on,
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. I think uh, there's probably better video of this that the tournament recorded, which hopefully someday will will surface. Oh, no nice. so that I get the, I get the heel here and bro, it pops pretty loud. Um, yeah, so. Okay, so pause right here. So I'm going to have you pause. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's, one that's always, with this one. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, okay, first thing was Paul has been training a lot with Mikey, and I'd heard actually a lot of different things about his game. Some people were like, oh, he's a Barambolo guy. Some people were like, he's a heavy top pressure guy. So I was like, okay, I mean, I'm just going to go in and just like um, focus more on my game than his because I heard like multiple different versions of what kind of a grappler he
0: was. Either way, I heard he's damn fucking good. Yeah. I really, did, really good. Yeah, I heard. Young th- guy, one, probably one of the best in Singapore for his age. Yeah. I've I, heard this from multiple people. For
1: sure. I've heard the same thing. Um, he's definitely good. He did it. He did it there There's a few moments we'll pause it, and I'll explain, like, he did very good defensive thing.
0: Is he 20 or something like that? I think he's old?
1: 25.
0: 25. Okay. Yeah.
1: So here, Two
0: brothers. They're, they're, they're brothers, right? Noah and Noah. Paul and, yeah, that's right. Noah's right. the
1: younger one. Paul's the older one. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So anyway, so here, uh, first thing first was, <laughs> I made a grip. I think I have a baseball bat grip here. It's a two-on-one. Two, it's yeah. a two-on-one, yeah. So I made a baseball bat grip. I'm elevating him. And I did a good enough job to elevate him that I could then punch for underhooks. So uh, play and then – and pause right here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I get the underhooks and then immediately I switch from one underhook to a grip on one of his legs. So I'm trying to make sure I can hold <clears> – <throat> so the far leg – in this case, his right leg—the leg that's to my left side—I wanted to make sure he wasn't able to pull that away. But I, even though I got the grip, he still does manage to pull it away, if I'm not mistaken. And then I switched to so hit play again. He gets it, yeah, he gets it away. And now look, pause right here. So here, this is an interesting part. You um, can't see it super well. There's a there's a little battle going on here where he is attempting to his left leg is what I'm looking to entangle. He's pointing his left leg to the outside. Okay. So <clears throat> Nikolai, the guy in the finals I faced in ADCC Thailand, he also did a great job of doing this. This is something that you can do in order to make it difficult for someone to entangle you within crossashi with Akane Misami. So you point the knee to the outside, okay? The way to deal with this, we'll look at this in a second. D- don't hit play yet. The way to deal with this is you take my left hand, which was holding his other leg, I reach underneath and I grab the top of his knee. I first saw – the guy I first saw do this was John Blank, who's a 10th planet grappler. He got fourth place at ADCC, I think in 2019. Um, And I saw him do it at a local tournament where you reach underneath, you grab the top of the knee, you pull your hips up, and you can regain the knee line. So here his knee is out of my knee line. So the knee is completely out of my knee line here. And and hit play. Look at my left hand. See my left hand. See how I'm gripping. Yes, yeah, oh, right yeah, there. Oh yeah. See that's what I'm talking about. And pause it right here.
0: Yeah. See that's the kind of shit I'm talking about with your your techniques and your tactics for actually regaining the knee line. I always see you do that where you reach and you scoop through yeah. and you sort of like pummel the knee back through as you like elevate your hips.
1: Yeah. So it's what I'm doing is I'm, I'm I wouldn't even say I'm pulling the knee down so to speak. I'm It's like I'm grabbing like if you're rock climbing, right? You grab the mountain. You're not pulling the mountain down. You're grabbing the mountain to pull yourself up. Right, yeah. You're cl- yeah. you're
0: climbing with it almost, right? Yeah, right. exactly.
1: I'm not going to, like, his foot is on the floor. I'm not going to pull his foot down right. and then through the floor, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. What I'm going to do is grab and use that to pull myself up and then I regain the, the knee line here. <clears throat> then, so here, the difficulty now is I'm on one, I'm my hips are around one leg. I don't have control of the other leg and his foot is planted. So this is a situation where it's very easy for him to keep the foot planted, keep weight on the foot, and push my leg down and get out of the position. So, so hit play again, you'll so see. So
0: there must be an off-balance coming.
1: Yeah, so he does a good job here. I regain the knee line again, and he does, we go back to the same situation. So here... So pause right here. This is this is a good moment to pause. Look how high your hips are. Yeah, so so if you look at what I'm doing with my legs... Also, you got a nice ass, dude. Look at that, <laughs> Nice, dude. I've been squatting a lot. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, anyway, so... Okay. Um, here, my... What is it? My left leg? Yeah, it's my left leg.
0: Fucking play button. Next time we take the raw videos.
1: Sure, sure. So my left leg is through his legs and is in the front of his torso. That means... So this is... It looks like a backside 50-50, but that's not really what this is. This is—I would call this an opposite hip ashi. Uh, that's just a name I came up with to describe this position. It's superficially similar to a crisscross ashi, but they have like—they're very different positions in terms of functionality. Uh, crisscross ashi—you can see, for instance, in Masakazu Iminari versus Jayon Silva. That's an old Cage Rage fight. So, if you look at that fight, you'll see crisscross ashi. Um, I won't describe it here, but just go watch that fight. This right here is an opposite hip ashi, which is the other leg is on top than the crisscross aji. Here, <coughs> my, uh, my left leg, again, is through his, his hips. And the goal here is to be able to push into his torso with my foot in, in front of his torso in order to put pressure to the back of his knee, to lift his foot off the mat, to expose his heel. But he actually does a really good job. I was surprised at how strong he, – he was really fucking strong. I was surprised by how well he's able to keep his foot planted here. Usually when I get here, it's not a difficult thing for me to do to push. And uh, So when I push with the foot here, it elevates the hips. And you can't see this, but my right arm is cupping on my thigh. And those things combined have like a really creating sh- like a frame? It's a frame, yeah. Mm. It creates a really strong like structure to elevate the, the man's hips yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, And then when the hips are elevated – That's this arm. Like, is this, this – Yeah. Here? That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. So when you elevate the guy's hips, the foot uh, becomes weightless, and it's therefore easy to put pressure to the back of the knee that lifts the foot off the mat, and you can expose the heel because it's no longer on the floor, right? Yeah. So, but he does a good job preventing that. He planted really hard, and if I'm not mistaken, I think he might have put his other knee down to help that. So hit play. Yeah. So see how his other knee's down, so he's able to keep that plant really good. So I bailed to so hit Paul So I bailed. I went back to a regular crossashi. I I spun for the heel, and he spun. So pause right here. You can't see this, but what's happening is, I abandoned pursuit of the heel hook momentarily in order to grab the secondary leg so he couldn't spin out, and his knee was coming out of my knee line here. So what I'm doing is, I'm holding a secondary leg so that he can't
0: spin or spiral,
1: spin spiral or push. Yeah, and then eventually you'll hit play. I, I I forget exactly what I saw in the moment. I was like, oh, the heel's there, and I spun and I caught the heel. I can't. I I honestly don't remember, but. In the moment I saw something and I let go of a secondary leg, I think I might have taken my right hand – yeah, my right – yeah, my right hand here, grabbed the ankle, stuffed it, rolled, and caught the heel. So I hit play. And it was like –
0: Because he's about to spiral again when you release a secondary leg and then you caught it in, in the spiral. In the spiral, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. So I actually – I regained the knee line. I let him spiral and then I catch him. And uh, it was a loud pop. I, I checked up on him afterwards. I was like, are you OK? Like it was – It was pretty loud. It was as loud as, like, the Russian guy in uh, Thailand's knee that I popped. Uh, But he said he was fine, so I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Anyway, so hit play. Hit hit play, yeah, and we'll see. Right now I'm holding the secondary leg. Again, I don't remember what I saw. Maybe I just regained the knee line. I was like, okay, it's time to go. (laughs) Right here, I got the. That's new line. where it is. Yeah, right. it's right. It's right there. I got it right yeah, here. Yeah, and then tap right away. Yeah. yeah, he he he. Well, he waited a little bit longer than he should have. Actually, I think. Yeah, but anyway, we can go on to the next one. This one. So yeah, quick heel hook. This one's not as interesting, but it's still it's still interesting. Another
0: Konnie Basami entrance.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is this is more of a. Uh, yeah, this one's fucking terrible because it's so far away.
0: But so here he. Um, and you're, uh, you start off a lot of these
1: entries with the 2-on-1
0: baseball bat grip so th- to sort of get the yeah. reaction. If you can get under, you're going to enter in Connie Basami. If they pull back, you wrestle up. Yeah.
1: So here I had a 2-on-1, what I call like a lever grip. So yeah. not a baseball bat. The lever grip is uh, Marcelo Garcia. Can you,
0: can you show it on the camera? You, uh, what's the, like a baseball grip is, is kind of obvious. Baseball right? bat is
1: this. Lever grip would be more like hand on the elbow, hand on the wrist. Oh, okay. So Marcelo used to do this a lot.
0: Well, like an arm drag, almost. Like it's a, a s- grip. you would you would
1: be here, and then this would chain for the arm drag. Oh. So like that. Yeah, you, 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 I use it for arm drags all the time. I used it for an arm drag in this match actually, um, and he defends the arm drag, the back take. By, it's
0: like the arm drag, but you don't have the, you don't have the cross grip. You have the straight grip instead. It's a straight grip. Yeah, yeah but then you yeah.
1: can you can. Chain it into the arm drag, and um, that's what I do here. And look, my right hand's gonna arm drag. And to deal with that threat of my back take, he picks his leg up. I go to a straight Ashi, and I just do a really classic Kani Wasami here. And then here, I regained the knee line. He jumped. You should never, ever try to jump out of a cross because <laughs> yeah. you're taking weight off your Off own. the leg, yeah. Yeah. You want mm. weight on the foot. You don't want to take weight off the foot, right? So he...
0: It's kind of a panic reaction, though, right? Yeah. To just, like, kind of try to dive out of it. Right. Maybe if you were eight minutes into a match and you were sweaty as shit and you sure. tried to, like, yank it out or something, yeah. but... And the first 20 seconds here like this yeah.
1: is... This is a 30-second match, yeah, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, we don't need... But it's a good
0: built. note to the people listening. Don't don't try <laughs> to jump out of a cross-sensory entry. <laughs> yeah. Keep that leg heavy. Hide the heel. Yeah. Because as you, as you jump away, you're exposing the heel. Yeah. You need to keep the foot down.
1: You need either the hips or your foot on the mat. The hips will allow you to rotate and hide your heel. Keeping the foot on the mat will allow you to hide your heel using the floor as, like, a surface, right? Yeah. So you need one of those two things. If you jump in the air... You have nothing – no point of your body is in contact with the floor, so you can't rotate to hide your heel and also you can't put your foot flat on the floor. So it's – it's unless you succeed in jumping out of their knee line, which yeah, maybe if you're like sweaty or like yeah. maybe Turkish oil wrestling that would work, right? But, or if the
0: person has a weak connection and you're like – and sweaty, a combination yeah. of the two, maybe you can like try to kick out of it or something. But yeah. it's not a – it's certainly not a technical escape to say the least.
1: No, not at all. Uh, so then we'll click on the last one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one's pretty interesting, too. So this one is against Maher, who... So if you pause, I'll just talk about...
0: Maher's it. another alum of the podcast. Oh, he's, nice. <laughs> he's been on here. Another fucking awesome guy. Yeah. Maher, I love you. By the way, shout out to Maher because this guy is still killing it. He's still yeah. competing, still doing it. You even gave the compliment. He's one of the best black belts in Singapore, and I completely I, agree with you. I,
1: I think for sure. I said to him after the match that his early performances in that day showed why he's... A veteran black belt like he's a very good black belt
0: crafty he did yeah. what he had to do to beat the people that he beat in the finals and yeah matches that a lot of
1: people thought he would lose and he
0: still found a way yeah. to pull it out yeah it was amazing performance yeah. by you my hair Be- come on the podcast bro let's do another one
1: <laughs> let's go come but on. anyway so he um I and I trained with him a lot like I trained with him like last week you know what I mean like yeah. I like my hair a lot right um, so we'll talk at the end we'll talk about that like um I was really glad he tapped early because I'm like bro I don't want to like I don't yeah, want to he, have he knows what's him. up. He doesn't have the ego. No, like I that. know. Yeah, he'll,
0: yeah. As long as he will escape if he thinks he's good, and when he knows he's fucked, he, yeah. he's going to tap.
1: Yeah, but anyway, so before this match, I was mentally preparing myself for like a very difficult match because my hair is like exhausting to
0: roll it. Totally. <laughs> like he's, yeah. he's, I've competed with him too. I know. Yeah, <laughs> he's
1: like a tank. He never stops moving, and he's, he's literally exhausting. So good pressure
0: like, too. Really great yeah. pressure. Yes. Yeah. He
1: in an earlier match uh, against a, another like pretty good leg locker. He just fucking put the pressure on the guy the whole match. And you can see at the end how exhausted his opponent was. And just, he's just a stud.
0: Knows how to use his weight really well.
1: Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so here <laughs> it's the finals. This time I successfully. <laughs> successfully sat down without giving him a negative so look at what I oh, do did, he,
0: did you get, he give you a cheeky takedown you to, yeah just, you, just you, look, you, bite, you baited it look at what I do I so. was coaching on the opposite mat at the same time this match happened yeah. so I was
1: like trying to watch you but also coach my student yeah it's the most ridiculous like I give him my leg
0: so did you yeah. look at Shinya and just give him a wink
1: <laughs> afterward no, I'm not sure maybe <laughs> like here hip play. And look at it. So I go, and then oh, he think, Oh, my it. hair. My hair. Come on, bro. So I hit pause. I think like – because I think – so what's funny is if you do that, I've been told if they don't take it, that can be seen as passivity. So it's like if you just – it's kind of like the dumbest thing ever. You're
0: if like – what if you're like, oh, I was trying to jump for a flying armbar?
1: Uh, oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, right. So like <laughs> – yeah, I, cheeky, but I mean fuck. No, no. I mean like the guy who doesn't take the leg is passivity. Oh. Right? So if you. So
0: oh, that's. I was thinking the other way around. Like, yeah. if they're if wise to what you're trying to do, right. which is yeah. just give up a technique, basically. So
1: the thing is, is like, if you think about it. So,
0: okay. so explain what we're watching for the listeners. So basically, you did the thing we talked about earlier. Yeah. You're baiting my. You're sticking your. You're giving him your leg. Yeah. Because you don't want to pull guard, but you want to play guard. Yeah. So you're sticking your leg out there on the hopes that he just kind of takes it and takes you down so you don't get a negative point.
1: Yeah. So I'll explain like, ADCC has two types of points negative points and positive points. All ADCC matches positive points are not included in the first half of the match, but in the finals,
0: negative points are
1: at the, the whole match, mm-hmm. which is yeah. it's kind of strange and it leads to some very weird matches at times. But that's what they decided to do. That's how it is. It's always been like that. And it will probably always be like that. But if
0: they didn't do it, you also have weirdness because then you get these wrestling matches, which are like
1: well, that's what well, it, it creates that. Yeah. Oh, the, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. So, so here's a fun ADCC trivia fact: Marcelo Garcia never won trials. In two thousand three, when he did trials, he did not know in the finals that he could not pull guard, just like he could in all the other matches. He pulled guard, he got a negative, and he lost. He lost.
0: Someone got injured, and he got in and won.
1: So the yeah, so basically he lost the trials.
0: He was crazy because that put Marcelo on the fucking map. Yeah, and then he's a legend now.
1: Yeah, it was because of his. So he won gold that year in the World Championships, and what happened was. So he lost trials, and this is all in his X Guard book. He talks about like he was super depressed and he got like really fat, eating like shit. And then they, someone, so Dennis Hallman, who's an American, who Dennis Hallman's another crazy trivia guy. He submitted Matt Hughes twice. Yeah, twice. Yeah.
0: And he came out with that little Speedo when his (laughs) nutsack came out in the middle of the UFC fight.
1: (laughs) So whenever you watch that fight, just think without that man, we would not have the legend that is Marcelo Garcia. But anyway, so like he just didn't show up to Brazil. Like, who knows why? He just didn't go. And then they were like, fuck, all right, who are we going to – it was the day before. So they were like, who else are we going to get to do this? They're like, all right, just get the guy who got second place at the trials in the city they were in. They were in Sao Paulo. 2086-2003 was in Sao Paulo. So they got Marcelo, who just happened to get second place. And he talks about in his book. He goes, I went to a sauna right away. He had to cut a fuckload of weight. And then he made weight the next day. And then obviously he won, and it was one of the most spectacular – And he
0: submitted on everybody, didn't he? Yeah.
1: He su- uh, "No, he didn't submit Henzo second round, but everyone oh, okay, else, okay. Uh, everyone else, everyone else, he did. Yeah, and it's great because in the finals he went against Otto Olsen, who's an American, really good wrestler. And Marcelo learned from his previous mistakes, and he legally pulled guard in that mm, match. He yeah. figured out how to do it that time. Yeah, which is an important ADCC lesson. But yeah, anyway, so so that's what you did here. That's what I did here. So it was the first half, no positive points, only negative points. If you give them your leg." Oh, he took me down, right? No positive point because, oh, oh. because, <laughs> because because
0: because is also a good wrestler, and if he didn't take the bait there, and he had managed to pull this into the point rounds, mm. this could have been interesting. Or sure. you you would have had to just maybe choose whether or not before the points came on, you wanted to just take the negative points. So you could play guard.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take a negative point willingly.
0: Like, so like, then you so yeah. then the totally it, the the landscape of the match would be completely possibly different yeah. had he not taken the bait here.
1: For, for sure. I mean, like I. I think I would have done well regardless. Sure, of the but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it would not have happened like this. No, of it would have been not, different. Yeah. It, yeah. The
0: result may have been the same, but yeah. certainly it would have looked slightly different, right? It,
1: it would have been, I'll say this, uh, much harder. Beating my here by points is much more difficult than what I did mm. because he's very tough. But anyway, so I, I'm able to pull guard here and here. So hit, hit play. Yeah. I'm able to punch my way through into a half butterfly. Camera kind of goes out of the way. I go half butterfly and I'm controlling both legs. Okay, so pause. Uh, sorry. One more moment. I'll tell you when I pause. Pause right here. Here's the kane Right. I
0: always see it. Once you reach for that hamstring and you get yeah. that double grip, that's when the elevation comes in and then you get to the cross-hashing.
1: So I think I'm the only person who does the move like this. Um, so this is what I call a double overhook kani Basami, where I, I have both my hands around both of their knees. The, the risk here is the counter is a rolling kimura. So I never recommend doing this for lengthy periods of time. But for brief periods of time, if you can grab overhooks around both of their knees, it's pretty quick, so it doesn't take long to get it. And what you can do is you can control their knees temporarily um, with just your arms, which frees, your your in this case, my bottom leg uh, up to swing around and, <coughs> and get a crossashi. Um, so And at the same time, when you get the crossashi, you can continue to hold on to the secondary leg. You can't extract it and start crushing you. So that's what I did here. It's funny because I don't know if I've ever done this to my hair in training. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. When we train, I feel like the rounds are very different than this. But anyway, so I hit play and we'll keep going. I'm able to see a grip, yeah. I pummel, a shoot to a Kane Wasabi. Pause right here. I think it's interesting. Like, so here I'm in a crushed wasami right? A lot of people Struggle at this point with the move. This is the yeah, cl- like Getting
0: stacked. It's that same thing we were talking about. Yeah. In the previous one.
1: This is the the way I, I deal with the problem here is like the classic way of dealing with the problem, which is like you control both legs and you bind his knees together and you threaten off balances in both directions and eventually, ultimately, I'm able to put him down to the mat. Um. And it, so something to say about this is I think it's interesting how frequently people say that this is like an inherently dangerous position for your knees, and it's like I have literally done thousands of this and my knees you know they're i think they're as bad as any other jiu black belt my age right like we all have shitty knees to some extent right my knees are not fucking falling apart right so i think it's people say this is really dangerous i think really you just don't know how to do the move um because if you do it the way i'm doing it there isn't unnecessary pressure on your knees and you can put the I think guy it's down because
0: saying, you're so you're like hip <laughs> to hip so the pressure's not really on your if you're like low and the knees start to extend outward but you're so high on the hips you're so deep in there that yeah I think the pressure's not really going to your knees.
1: A part of it is that but another part of it is how I'm dispersing his weight with my I have a frame across his chest which you obviously can't see the cause right like, hand,
0: will... your right hand your right hand is framing across his chest. Yeah. And and that's where you're going to try to Kazushi him forward. Yeah, or I... potentially backward. <laughs>
1: forget which way he felt but it's that and then it's also my grip on his his secondary leg that pins his knees together that's with your left hand on this uh back far leg here yeah oh. yeah so hit play we'll see i actually forget which direction he falls oh, i think backwards yeah i get him to go backwards yes he goes backwards so that's really what topples him is the frame and pinching his knees and so here so pause right here Oh, just about
0: to get the bite in the heel.
1: Oh, uh, so I I missed this one. So Mahir has good heel, lock, uh, heel lock, heel hook defense. So he defends the first one, but I maintain control of the secondary leg. And what I do is to, to catch him. So it play again. I take his secondary leg. I move it across to the other side, and I get what's called. You can't see it because the fucking rest of the way. But so pause right here. So I have a double cross ashi. So his yeah. legs are like across his hips. You
0: have like, one one leg in each armpit.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here, and then I put him onto his his uh, left hip. So it's really hard to hide the heel here. It's not impossible, but it's really hard. And um, this is like a classic technique that uh, this is old leglock guy up in Boston, named Kenny Lovatere. Lo- Lo- Lovatere, Lo- I forget how to say it. Sorry, I met the guy. He's a super nice guy. Um, old school leglock, like legend in the U.S. at least. And um, this is something that he used to do a lot. Right, this is like his staple. Uh, it's a double cross. Double cross, and mm. you put him on the far hip, and then you triangle your legs. Mm. So he called it the Game of Death. It's <laughs> <he named, laughs> <the laughs> yeah. a good name. It's a good nine, name, the Game nine, of Death. Yeah. yeah, so anyway, so it worked out here. It's a good way to catch somebody's heel who's savvy to defense, okay? Um, yeah, which Mahir is. So so hit play again, and I'll tell you when to pause it right away. So you see how it's across. I catch... He tapped when I got one arm, um, which was the smart thing to do. At that point it's so it's so locked in.
0: Because that double cross gives you so much heel exposure. Yeah. So much heel exposure. And there's no way to turn out, there's no way to spin.
1: Yeah. Well you
0: you cuz you didn't release the other leg. <laughs> yeah. So he can't move.
1: You can move if you are there's some people that are just hyper flexible yeah. that still can. But most people can't. It's it's a, it's a pretty sticky situation. So
0: Cuz if you release then the the spiral and chasing the heel to connect yeah. your hands begins. But since you had both and you just went to the one arm, then
1: you, not, you may not be
0: able to generate the same amount of pressure as connecting your hands, but it will be enough a lot yeah. of times
1: yeah, so yeah, um yeah, so basically what I went into that tournament with the mindset was is like I just need to I'm just going in to win you know today's not the day to
0: fuck around to fuck you know?
1: around and try yeah. newer stuff if I have to come on top, like I feel like very confident in my passing now, I feel very confident in my sweeps. Um, the Siam Cup tournament, which we didn't go over, but like it's on my Instagram, people can go see it. I won that tournament with passing, sweeps, and passes. You know, I got a leg lock, I got a heel hook in the finals, but like the more difficult matches, arguably, uh, I won with passes and sweeps, sweeps and passes. Um, you know, so I I feel confident I can do that if required. But like in this tournament my mindset was I want to go for my A game first. Like, I want to go for, like, heel hooks first. And in the event that I'm unable to get that, I'm I'm perfectly happy to come on top and score, but I am going to aggressively go for my A game first. Um, I took the tournament, like, very seriously. I wanted to rebound after ADCC Thailand. Um, I went and I did the Siam Cup in Bangkok exclusively, like, as a warm-up for this. Mm. You know, like... Uh, it was a great. That was a great tournament in its own right. I made money in that tournament, so arguably mm. better than mm. <laughs> yeah, ADCC Singapore. But the prestige is way greater in the ADCC tournaments, right? So, yeah. So.
0: Well, you can tell that uh, you can tell. I mean, th- this was definitely <laughs> the most stacked no-gi competition, and, and realistically, people don't realize how new no-gi is in Singapore. I mean, most gyms don't even. Uh, I mean, there's not one gym in Singapore that's like a full time no-gi gym there are gyms that have gi and no-gi like stronghold is basically split 50 50 we have no-gi and gi every day so we have gi and like there's always no-gi every day and there's always gi every day but there's only maybe two gyms three gyms in singapore that even have that and now you're seeing two three hundred people at this competition so you can see that a shift happening and then when you look at the professional division you start to see female and male you're in it Muji's in it. There's lots of other black belts in it. Tiffany Tio's is in the, the females division. Like we're starting to really see the level go up, and over the next few years, it's it's going to be more and, and more and more. So it was great great to actually see you compete live. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd actually got to see. Of course, you come and train every week at the gym, so I've had yeah. the pleasure of getting to roll with you and stuff. But. uh Rob, that was a hell of a tournament, man. Thanks. It, it was great yeah. to watch. Thank you for, for breaking down everything on the podcast. And yeah. We we can do these whenever you want, man. I can sure, fucking yeah. geek out on this shit for, for hours, but Jake's <laughs> nice. got a family and a wife to take care can, of. So. Can I just
1: comment quickly? Sure, like, please. Yeah. yeah so, of so. Uh, I think the most Nogi oriented gym in Singapore right now is probably where I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. So I've essentially turned Tiger Muay Thai Singapore's jiu-jitsu program into an ADCC program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like every day at 2 p.m. we do ADCC competition, which I uh, open to everyone. I don't like, I let anyone come to that. Um, you don't even have to be a member of the gym.
0: By the way, that's badass. Yeah. Real quick, that's badass. You and Stronghold are the only gyms in Singapore where we allow people to come and train for free every single week, mm-hmm. which is fucking awesome for the scene. And just in general. So people, if you're listening to this, you should definitely take Rob up on that. You can't get this quality training to pay for. And then the fact that you're offering it up for free. Mm -hmm. I mean if you're a jiu-jitsu person and you're interested in this, I mean what an opportunity to go and do that. I mean (laughs) come on.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I, I do it because like I want to get good training in, right? Like I need to train. And I am very ADCC oriented, so the sessions are completely built around ADCC. You know, they're not classes. Like I'm not teaching techniques. People just show up and we train. And it's not an open mat either because we're not just doing whatever. Like there's a structure to what we do. Yeah. Um, I structure it like a sports practice, right? Like, I, I want to develop specific skills around the ADCC format, and you know,
0: tactics and.
1: Yeah, we, we, we go over ADCC rules a lot. You know, ADCC rules are very, very complicated. There are so many intricacies and nuances, and the only real way to learn it is through, like, long-term exposure and experience. Like, you just have to do a lot of the tournaments. You see, lot, like, there's so many random things I can point out that I'm like, okay, I only know that's the case because I was in a tournament and I either saw it happen in a match or it happened to me, right? Like, yeah. for instance, if you're in overtime or in the finals and you're standing and you put one knee down and it's down for three seconds, that's considered a guard pull. I know because I had a trials match that I lost like that. It was 0-0 over I think I probably would have won the decision. I was the more aggressive athlete. Uh, I came closer to scoring, getting submissions. But I did that in the finals, and that got me a negative. And I, I didn't think that was a guard pull. I was kind of doing that so I could like get low and do a cheeky little shot so I could pull guard after that. But uh, nope, that's apparently a guard pull. Uh, I was told it's called the Nikki Rod. So, oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently. <laughs> I don't know how true that is that somebody said, and so I learned that because of immediate experience experience direct experience yeah, yeah. um yeah what
0: day, what day did you do that on the
1: that was a West coast Charles that was like a no no,
0: I mean the tiger
1: oh every, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so every weekday, two pm. Um, I mean, r- that's
0: crazy that you're just offering that. If you're listening to this podcast and you have that time free, you should go fucking train with Robert Tiger.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of a select type of person that has two PM free on a weekday, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's usually crazy people, De-
2: dedicated people. Yeah, Very dedicated.
1: We, we get a pretty high level crowd, but I even let there's like a 16 year old kid that comes. You know, and he's really good. Um, you know, uh, so I'll let. As long as you come and you are respectful and you train safely, the only thing – I've never – I haven't kicked anyone out, but I would kick someone out if they were like a jackass and they're hurting people. Spazzy
0: or ego or some shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but yeah. And then at night, I teach regular classes. So if you want to like officially, formally learn from me, you have to sign up at Tiger Muay Thai, uh, Singapore. Uh, But uh, during the the day, I have the 2 p.m.s. And yeah, we train really hard in that. I, I love those sessions. They're really fun. And then every Sunday I come to the Stronghold Open Mat, which yeah, is awesome bro. Too. I tell everyone that's the best Open Mat in Singapore.
0: Oh, thank you. It's such a compliment. Yeah, no, I <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it.
1: It's it's just the most fun. It's like pro- that's probably the single biggest Nogi like, session anywhere in Singapore, right? So like the t- the Tiger Cop sessions, we'll get anywhere from eight to like fifteen guys. Ooh, there's a Stronghold Open Mat. It's like thirty, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. If you like nogi, that's the <laughs> session I <they're>
0: going to. <laughs> Well, thank you for saying that man. It's a compliment. A very sweet thing for you to say. I'm just I'm just glad we do it. And I mean listen, if you're listening to this podcast, you just got told six days a week that you can train for free. If somebody's looking for fucking money for their value, I mean, you can't, you can't do much better than going with uh, Rob during the week and then me on the weekend. And Rob's also uh, there with me on the weekend. So, I mean, you can be with Rob fucking six days a week if you structure your, your life right and have uh, some free time but please, during the week. But please also sign up so I don't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we both appreciate a sign-up here too here and there just yeah. so we can keep the lights on. <laughs>
1: yes. Thank you. <laughs>
0: All right, everybody. Let's wrap this thing up. That was a juicy one. Rob, thank you, man. Yeah, no this worries. is the second time we've done this. It's a pleasure.
1: Yeah, likewise, man. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's always fun.
0: Yeah, it's always a good time. Jake, thank you for staying late, my man. We I, appreciate I, it. Apologize to lie. your wife and children. Tell them that we love them. I'm <laughs>
2: telling
1: them
0: nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody. This is also real quick just to say, uh, congrats to all the people who, who competed. You know, this podcast is mostly listened to by by people within Singapore. and You know, there's some KL peeps that listen to it and a few people uh, outside. So congrats to everybody who was there, all the staff, all the people that competed, all the coaches out there. We love you. You guys make it happen. Shinya, I know you were working your ass off, bro. You were fucking looking stressed out at that motherfucker, but thank you. We all appreciate your work. Everybody, this is a Stronghold Podcast. You guys have a good day. Thank you all for watching.